0: organizing your cross-cultural wedding. Apparently, it takes a little bit more effort to plan this one, so you need to stick around and listen to this. Hi, I'm Paul Santiago, and this is the How To Wedding Podcast. If this is your first time watching or listening to this podcast, welcome. If you are a bride who needs real wedding advice, current tips and tricks about your wedding, or honest opinions about the elements that make up an unforgettable wedding, this podcast is for you. I'm sure you hear that a lot, but what makes us different is that we know what translates well to photos and videos. I've been a wedding videographer for 16 years now, and I'm friends with a lot of wedding photographers, and I could almost guarantee you that our common goal is to be able to capture the wedding the way you want to remember it. Yeah, there's going to be those spectacular centerpieces and the breathtaking view. But when it's time for us to go in and up close, we see those blank stares and those eye twitches. So let's try to eliminate that with this podcast. The best part is these advices, they're coming from the source that you're supposed to get it from. Vendors from Southern California. We are in the epicenter of the wedding world after all, right? Our topic for today is cross-cultural weddings and how to organize them. Michelle Isabel Castillo is here, and this is exactly what she specializes in. She specializes in cross-cultural weddings. I have to be honest, when I hear cross-cultural weddings, I immediately think of the moms and how they'd want to incorporate their culture into the wedding festivities. And if it's a mixed couple, a mixed cultural wedding... It can get a little messy, so I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Michelle Isabel Castillo is coming right up, and this is the How To Wedding Podcast. And just like what we always say, if we're getting lost... Hey, thanks for being on the show.
1: Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited and nervous I a
0: little bit. <laughs> uh, don't be nervous. You know, uh, I, I remember we talked about this, man, for months, right? I think I remember for months. And I'm like, Dude, what do we talk about? Because I, I know you have so much information that, you, that you're knowledgeable <laughs> with. I, I just try to figure out which one. And then you came out with something, and that's why I'm like, okay, now, now I know exactly what we need to talk about. And I feel yeah. like it's so tiny. So thanks for, thanks for being here.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: So before we start, I would love it if you tell the listeners and the viewers something about yourself that they'd probably be surprised to know about.
1: Hmm. I was thinking about this cuz I don't know. There there are so many random things, but I guess um Okay, so I studied political science as a pre-law major. So I was going to go and do the whole law school thing and um I went to DC to intern, you know, at those lobbying firms where people go and try to convince her representatives, like, hey, can you make this vote happen? Or can you make this law happen? So I thought I was going to do all that. And then they, as an intern, they put me on the planning committee for a bunch of political events. And then I did, um, you know, FIDM, the fashion school. They put on this huge presidential inaugural ball for President Obama. And then I fell in love with events. So I kind of just started there. I went, so I transitioned from law school to events planning.
0: Well, it's just know, like
1: a random move.
0: You know what really intimidates me? Creative people who are also smart. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I talk to people, I talk to like a photographer or a wedding planner, they're like, "Oh, I used to be an architect. I used to be an engineer." I'm like, "Man, ooh, <laughs> that's so intimidating because I've, you know, I just it's, I, I've always gone to marketing school and it's just not yeah. the same
1: it's definitely not that I mean it's not that special it just makes us more have more of a background and it took me a little bit longer I wish I just would have known I guess that I wanted to do events from the beginning would have saved me a lot of headaches I think it would have been nice to have gone to wedding like if there was a way to do wedding planning school I wish I would have done that that would have been great
0: well you know what it did to you right it made you very very organized
1: (laughs) I will say that I will. Although I feel like I should attribute that to my mom. Cause she, if you think I'm organized, she's crazy organized.
0: Oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah. Well, then talking about organized, let's talk about your origin story. I'm, I'm really interested about people's origin story. So let's talk about how you started yeah. and what you're up to right now.
1: So after I came back and I realized like, okay, I'm not going to be a lawyer. And this is, that's just too crazy. And I really like doing events. And so Um, I came back and I worked for university and we were doing, it was a medical university and we were doing like 3000 events a year. And it was our small team of like five people. It was the catering, the venue, myself, marketing. Um, And then there was an assistant that we had. And it was just the five of us running these 3000 events a year. And it was kind of, it was like a crash course in event planning. And then we were doing like galas and like HR orientations and like student activities. They were coming back to school. So all kinds of crazy things. And then two years later, I realized that I wanted to be out on my own. Um, And so then I started in those two years that I wanted to make sure like, okay, do I really want to do weddings only? So I started taking on friends weddings and then my sister got married and then um, we were also doing weddings at the venue that we had at the university. So, um, I really fell in love with that part of it of like working with a couple who was really interested in, in all the details that we were putting together for the day. That was a lot of fun for me because corporate, they're kind of just like, yeah, this is our vision and this is what we like to do and like make it happen, you know, versus with the couple, we're working hand in hand to like figure out the colors. Like, oh my gosh, Michelle, I'm not a yellow person, you know, the little details. So. um Yeah, I just, um, after those two years being in corporate and then kind of dabbling with on the side with friends and family on wedding planning, then two years later, I decided to go and do it on my own. So that was January 2016. And so now I'm a cross-cultural wedding planner um, for modern couples. So I work a lot with um, couples who want to blend, like they're coming from two different backgrounds. So whether that's Korean and Chinese or like. Indian and Italian or whatever the case is, like we, I help them blend their two cultures to create something really unique. And especially for, for their guests, it's pretty unforgettable because how often do you see like a Persian and Lebanese wedding come together? And like, you know, we're, we're like, we have the musicians coming in of Zaffa and then we have like the, you know, the Sofre, which is like that Persian spread like you, and then you don't ever really see that stuff come together. So it's pretty cool.
0: I'm, I'm so curious. How? What? What attracted you to start doing culture cross cultural weddings?
1: So back, I think it was like maybe two years ago. Um, I was working with a couple, and they they're both Korean. So they were. I was trying to encourage them to do pebbek in their ceremony, and it just it was really hard for them to conceptualize because they're also. Since they're planning a wedding, it's like the first time, and that's really hard for them and um that part alone was a mind block for them and then on top of that to think like, oh, and on top of that, we're gonna have a Korean ceremony built into the wedding, and it was really hard for them to figure out a way to put that together in their minds and how that would all work on the wedding day and For me, it was easy because like you know I do weddings all the time, and I know exactly how they work, but for them, it was a little bit difficult, but they did want to have. Pebic in their, in their wedding. They just couldn't figure it out, figure out how, so we didn't end up doing it. Um, I think the most, um, the most traditional piece that they did was their moms were homebooks. That was like the biggest thing, but they really wanted more than that. And then I, so I started, I sat down and I was like, that really sucks. Cause people that would have made the wedding that much more special. It was a really special day, but it, I know that that was something they wanted. It just, we couldn't figure out how to make it work. So then from moving forward anytime someone would present a problem to me I would approach it a little bit different by outlining the timeline for them showing them a workflow of how that would all look for the day working with vendors that have done that before so they know like okay I'm gonna at this point I have to be sitting in this spot to make sure I capture the bride or sitting in this spot so I capture the groomer or whatever's happening um so yeah I think it just came from a place of no one was really doing that um and it and like if we googled like you know, Pebbec Chinese ceremony, it does it didn't come up often or at all, I don't think. And so it was hard for all of us to kind of make sure that it came together um and to even see that vision. And so I decided in that moment that I would do that moving forward.
0: You know I I well I'm Filipino if it's not that obvious. <laughs> and um <laughs> we're so used to our Filipinos by by ourselves are very cultural, right? And we're so used to seeing um our family some of our family getting married to americans and you know our culture mixed with the americans it became more of like um you're just sharing your culture with them but then it never like because we're we're so used to like watching the american weddings in in movies, right? So you know, right. it 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 became like a more of like this is our culture. Here you go. But then when I started filming weddings here, and I did an, a Chinese Indian ceremony, and it blew my mind. Like, wow, this is the it. I think the the one thing that got me sold with cross cultural weddings, which I love doing, is the food because it's oh everything. Oh my god. <laughs> I,
1: the food's amazing. I always get sure.
0: acidity when I get home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's yeah. so worth it.
0: Oh yeah. So that that's the thing. Like I I I feel like we've done a lot of cross-cultural weddings enough for us to be able to understand that you're right, you know, you give them the timeline but then maybe you need to put this because don't forget this one, you know, stuff like that. So what For me, my question is: What is the most common? What are the most common mistakes that cross-cultural couples make when they're planning their wedding?
1: Um, I would say, I would say that allowing the parents to have more say in their wedding than they should. So, like for the most part. I mentioned my couples are pretty modern um, and they themselves probably don't practice the faith or the tradition or the culture, whatever it is, but they do want to honor their parents because they were raised in that setting. And they, they the person of who they are has a lot to do with where they came from and how their parents raised them. So they do want to honor that tradition. But then sometimes, like now, you know, whoever they are, they're mixed with American culture and with wherever they've been in the world. They are now this like new person and they should also showcase that. So having like a mom that's overly involved and wants it to be overly one way can really make the other person feel isolated or like they're not that important or like their culture isn't that important. And so making sure that we're setting boundaries for the parents and setting boundaries for the family and making sure that at the very end of it all they both come together both couples come together and are they feel comfortable doing whatever it is that they need that they're incorporating so for example i worked with an indian chinese couple i mean i'm sorry an indian italian couple recently And the bride, it was really important for her. She was not Indian. She was the Italian, and it was important for her bridesmaids to be a huge part of the ceremony, which it's not normal, especially not, you know, in that culture. So she really wanted to make sure that that was a priority for her. But the mom, who was mostly planning with me, which is the Indian mother, she had no intentions of of doing that. So we kind of had to negotiate and go back and forth and find a good place of where we could incorporate the bridesmaids and what kind of roles they would have. So just kind of making sure that you're sticking to your guns because, yes, like you want to honor your family and also you want it to be authentic, but this is still your wedding and it should be a piece of you. It should should represent the two of you as a new couple.
0: So do you think – it's easier to handle a cross cultural wedding. Well, not easier, but w- which one is easier? Handling uh, when you're trying to handle a cross cultural wedding. Is it easier if the couple is religious, or is it easier if you're, they're not really? They're a little bit more modern. Hmm. I
1: just, I mean, I've never had an overly religious couple, so I guess I would say that it might be easier to do someone who is religious because they know they're going to stick to their guns. They know what they want. um, And they're going to stay in that, in that realm. And we'll have like a template of exactly how we're going to perform the wedding. But for the modern cross-cultural couples who aren't practicing, I think it might be easier because they're going to be a little bit more flexible, more open to ideas, more open to saying like, you know what, let this piece is going to stress me out or this just doesn't even I don't believe in this part. Let's remove it. I think that might be a little easier to work with just because being open minded, especially with, when it comes to a wedding, because it's, there are so many things that could go wrong. And there's so many moving pieces. You almost need to go in regardless of whether you're, you're um, planning a cross-cultural wedding, you need to be flexible and open. And so I think it would just be easier to work with a, I think, modern cross-cultural couple.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Cause I, yeah. you know, I, like, when we do an Indian wedding for three days, imagine <laughs> doing a cross-cultural yeah. <laughs> event
1: <laughs> I know. with,
0: like, a, a Chinese culture. Like, I remember when we do Chinese oh weddings, we go at 4.30 in the morning because they're doing their yes. door games. And then we do, oh, man, I could just imagine. But, it, you know, <laughs> if, if there's one thing that I love about these things, it's always fun.
1: Yes, it is. fun, And I will say that some other couples there, I think they, they don't want to do that, right? Like some of the things are like, you yeah. know what, Michelle, we don't want to stress out. I mean, millennials, we have a lot of anxiety, like just naturally. So we, for us to be able to like cut some pieces out, like, no, I don't want to be up at 330 in the morning to, you know, do some of the things like get my hair and makeup done. So I'm ready for some of the earlier activities. Some people don't want to do that. Or maybe they're, they're thinking about their guests and their guests aren't used to that. Like, Obviously, like in this Indian-Italian wedding, like the Italians aren't used to waking up that early to get to a ceremony that's four or five hours long, you know. So I think just being able to be a little bit on the flexible side might be a good thing and and help them out. So yeah.
0: So when it comes to when it comes to these the cross-cultural ones, what do you find more effective? Um, do you find having a DJ is more effective, or having a a, a band is more effective? Because I I enjoy both, but I feel like for couples, it really needs to like match up with their personality. But I don't know how. What, what how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I think it depends. So, like for say for this Lebanese Persian wedding, the the Lebanese culture has this. Band called Zaf Zafe, and they they like come in and they welcome you with these like big drums and there's like dancers and they have flutes and all this stuff and so in that case you know we'd have these musicians slash band you know come in and and welcome the couple but then you know we transition over to the DJ and then it turns into party mode and like for, for the Persian culture you can't just have like any DJ you need to have a party DJ like Las Vegas like foam bubbles, all kinds of crazy things, um, DJ. So it has, it just depends on who the couple is. And, and some people are just really relaxed and they're like, we're going to keep it simple. We we just want to DJ. We just want to MC and we're going to party till 10 o'clock and then we're done because most older people are going to leave. So it just, it really just depends. I mean, I'm all for bands though, all day, every day.
0: Well, I was just going to ask too, um, when it comes to cross-cultural couples, what do you think they should expect when, the, when they're going to start budgeting for their wedding? <laughs> because I feel like <laughs> it's going to cost more than the usual.
1: It really, it it does. And I would say, I mean, that's really hard, right? Because there's so many factors like guest count and locations and is it all happening at once? Are you starting at 10 in the morning and going until midnight in the same location or moving locations um so it's really hard to put a budget to it but i will say that i think most actually all most couples they always go over their budget right like they they start off with this number and then realistically when they get into the planning they're like oh shoot like it was a lot more than i thought or abandoning classes or or Actually, I didn't even know I was going to have a videographer or, you know, like whatever their plans, they evolve over time. And then they realize that they need to up the budget. So for sure, sitting down to figure out what your wedding day budget is, is important. And then, you know, laying out all the, all the pieces that are going to be a part of it. And especially with cross-cultural, you're working with like probably double the vendors that you would normally work with on the wedding day. And then not only that, but then we have all the events surrounding that. So breaking down the budget by day and by event is probably going to be the best instead of just coming out with this like arbitrary number and you're just like, oh yeah, I have $100,000 for this, which, you know, especially for for a cross-cultural wedding where we're having like 200, 300, 400 people, that's not going to come close to anything for uh, at least not even for the wedding day. So then you still need to think about all the other events surrounding it. And the thing with cross-cultural weddings, though, is that, and especially if we're working with a modern couple, they don't want to do all the things. They want it to be like, okay, Michelle, we want to have a Friday, Mahendi and Sanghi, or or whatever it is that they want to do, and then Saturday is a wedding. And we only want it to be like half the day, not the whole day, and then we want to have a Sunday brunch where we tell everybody goodbye and then call it a day. So just being, like I had said earlier about, Make, making sure that the wedding is reflective of the couple and that they're sticking to their guns about what they believe in and what they want it to look like. That's going to be important. And then breaking it down from there, um, from a budget standpoint of how much you want to dedicate per event. Because even like, say, if we took a handy, for example, there are like 15 vendors, you know, that come in that day, or I mean, especially since it's supposed to be a fun thing, like there are just so many moving pieces. So it's hard to, you'll have to allocate a budget per event and then break it down by vendors, and then you can go from there and how much the overall wedding budget will be. But it's typically like three, four days. I bedtime. love
0: that. I love that because it, I, I didn't even think about, you know, yeah, you're going to do a small thing, but there's still going to be 15 vendors if it's going to be a fun day.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. And I think, and the, you know, the family's coming from, everywhere and the parents really want to impress them like it's never a like oh let's just throw a dinner together like and have them come over and have drinks it's not that there's so much like they want to show them everything like how successful they've become here in America and and they want to because normally like the, the the couples are first generation here or their parents were first generation here mm-hmm. and they want to bring their families over and they want to show them like we did well for ourselves we want to host you and since some, some of them even pick up the hotel bills which is kind of crazy but I mean they it, it makes sense or the transportation because they want to host them like because when you go to India or when you go to these other places that's how they treat you. They're like, come in, we'll take you we'll, we'll take you to our family's house, we'll take you to food you're gonna be um have food every single day and you know, it becomes like an experience and they want to do the same for family that comes out here to see the wedding.
0: It's a celebration, yeah. you know. Yeah. Man, I yeah. can just imagine so in the Philippines, um, traditionally if you get married in the province, you feed the entire village. So I, wow. I'm i assuming that in India or in, in anywhere else, that's what they do, right? They invite everyone. But then oh, when yeah. you do a wedding here in the U.S., the people from different countries and different states, they go here to celebrate with you. And it's not cheap. And, you know, you kind of have to put on a show at least to entertain them and make it worth their while. Because
1: exactly.
0: So when you whenever whenever you plan these weddings, I feel like as a cross cultural couple, like if if you're someone like if if someone's courting you and you feel like they're in a big <laughs> a big culture, <laughs> I feel like you need to consider all these things.
1: <laughs> yes, you do. You do need to think about it. I actually have a couple who it was too much and they broke up, and it was a. I can't remember the, the two cultures, but they broke up because they, it was too much. It was too, like when we started thinking about all the days, I don't think the bride realized like what would all go into it. Cause she, her family wasn't very cultural. Um, It was his family that was very cultural and she didn't realize how much would go all into it. And when I started breaking down the days for them, they kind of took a break and then they were like, you know what we need to, I sent them to therapy and they went and they did their thing and now they're back and they're, wanting to move forward, but it took some time because I don't think people realize, especially if they don't, if they're not cultural themselves or aren't heavily involved, like have like friends or communities that, you know, have these like huge, massive weddings or, you know, massive social celebrations. They're not, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. It's almost like, you know, if we're dating, hey, if we get married, like this, this and this happens. So, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, c- cultural is, you know, everyone is family. Some, there are only yeah. few friends, but every, like we call everyone that we know aunts and uncles.
1: Yeah. Me it too. doesn't have to be
0: blood, right? So, yeah. 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 Good thing we didn't get married in the Philippines because if we got married there, we'd probably have 800 guests. And I, I'm going to oh be so God. broke. There's no way. So we only had like 100 well. people here. <laughs>
1: Us too. That's what we did too. We we're like a hundred people, but it, that was hard because my husband's Mexican and he, we're Guatemalan and he has like a million family members here in the United States. And it was just five of us. So I was like, wait, why do we have to invite, you know, five hundred people? I'm just inviting like my five family members and then my, my roommates from college. Like I don't understand. It was like so even with that, like us being so close in um, culture it was really hard for me to understand. And I was going to say like for like some of these other cultures, like how you were saying where, um, you know, in like in the Philippines, you invite everybody. A lot of couples are a lot of families experience that as well when they're planning these types of weddings. And sometimes like I've had to deal with, with not knowing the guest count. I think that's a huge problem because then you have to, you have to plan for like 500 people and maybe you know 400 people show up but since they're not doing rsvps and, and things like that then we have to budget even more because we don't know how many people are gonna come it could be like 600 that show up so it, it gets kind of complicated and murky
0: with them. yeah whenever i film cross-cultural weddings or just cultural by itself there's always like a last minute table set up for <laughs> extra <kids.
1: laughs> yes
0: but you gotta um, prepare for those. Oh my gosh!
1: Ahead of time, yeah.
0: I just want to say that whenever we d- experience that, that extra table is filled with people who are just wearing jeans and tennis shoes and this shirt. <laughs> so if you are gonna invite them, this is to the couples. If you're g- gonna invite people, especially the when you feel that they're not gonna dress up for your wedding please tell them <laughs> to <dress up. laughs> yeah. oh, okay.
1: mandatory or have Michelle be the bouncer. I'll be the bouncer and be like, yes, no shoes, no shirt, no service. Sorry guys. Yeah. I, she's
0: <laughs> very intimidating you guys. So just make sure <laughs> you get her. <laughs> so, okay. So now I want to backtrack to you. You were saying you were talking about million millennials and having a lot of anxiety, right? Because that's what the couple's, right now are that's the age of the couples and i want to i want to go to your blog the that the reason why i'm like okay we really need to do this interview now because you came up with a blog post about navigate navigating your wedding planning uh options around the coronavirus and i really appreciated that you did that because it was like early when you did that post it was like a day after they said stay at home right is that right But before you answer that, I really want to talk about the Facebook group that we started that is exclusively for couples who are planning their wedding. No wedding vendors allowed. Actually, there'll be a few hand-picked ones to moderate, but they're pros so they won't be nasty. That way, you can really be honest and ask any question. We can talk about budgeting, venues, tips, tricks, recipes. You can even vent about your mom. No judgment. Only request is be nice to everybody. Our goal is to help you plan a wedding, not regret having one. All right? Just click on the group's link in the show notes and we'll hope to see you there. Now, what was your answer to my question?
1: I think so. It was yeah. definitely well well what happened was I had my I had a wedding on March 14th for a couple and 2 days before like this we were monitoring the situation of like what was going on with coronavirus and actually 2 weeks before that we were worried about rain like we were not even worried about coronavirus we were worried about the rain because none of us could have predicted how everything turned out so we were worried about the rain and then maybe the week before when the restrictions started to roll out that's when we really got concerned and then the restrictions actually hadn't happened but my bride um and her and the groom they decided they had a talk the day before and they decided that they would um they she works in the healthcare in the healthcare world so she kind of had an idea of where this was all headed and and I think also they were saying like the elderly were this was before we knew all that we know now and they were saying that the elderly are being heavily impacted and so they looked at their guest list and decided that it was just going to be the best to not have their wedding. And so then that just kind of, we just went down a rabbit hole from there. I started contacting my clients that were upcoming, you know, um, and like even for June, we were thinking about like what we're going to do with them. And, and anyway, just kind of all snowballed. And so then I, I've kind of had to deal with this in the past where, you know, with cancellations and postponements, those aren't, those aren't, um, New to me, and on top of that, like the like last year, for example, I had planned a wedding Mm -hmm. where the venue said I couldn't confirm the wedding date until two months before because there were there was some like we were waiting on something to happen, and so they were like two months before Michelle, we won't be able to confirm the wedding date with you, Um, and so then that freaked out the bride. But I told her what we should do is just plan the wedding a year in advance and and negotiate with the vendors a date change clause where if we have to move we're going to move the date anyway without any fees and all my vendors they're like they're really close friends of mine so all of them were down and they were willing to move the wedding date if at that two month mark something if they were like hey guys we're going to have to move your wedding date then they were all down for it so i kind of had had like gone through that experience a little bit before which is kind of i think helped me and prepared me for now to have to like go back and renegotiate contracts with vendors and deal with cancellations and postponements, so it was just it kind of all snowballed into what it is now. But um, but yeah, so I I wrote that right when that all happened because I was directly affected in that weekend when everything kind of just went south.
0: Yeah, I think I I read that after the day after I filmed the wedding, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is great because most of the wedding vendors that I saw the day after that weekend, they went silent. And that's why I really appreciated what you did because at at least, you know, the, there's something for your couples in particular to consider. And it talked about, I love that it talked about, you know, very, it, it was, it was very direct. There's no like sugar coating or anything. You, you mm-hmm. talked about canceling, carrying on. And, um, so uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Is what are the what are the main things that you should consider if you need to cancel or if you want to carry on and postpone?
1: Well, I will start off by saying that I I feel like cancellations should be the very last thing you even consider. Um, and not only that, but also like you're, it's very unlikely. That if you do decide to cancel, that you're gonna get money back. Like the like the vendors in the wedding industry are not, you know, driving around Bugattis and like Ferraris. We're we're you know small businesses, and we're, we work day by day, and we depend on the income that we receive, and we use it. We don't have like we're not just sitting on a on a pile of cash, you know, ready to just have it, give it back to you when you're ready when you decide to cancel. So I I will say that it's very unlikely that you'll get your um, deposits back or or retainers back. And so it's almost like I, right now everybody's really emotional. And so the immediate response is like, I'm going to cancel and you know, what? I'm just going to get all my money back and then just forget all of this. But I would say to just post, like put a pause and take a step back. We should wait until we know more about what's going on with the situation and then throw a huge party later and your vendors will be there for you. Obviously you'll have to renegotiate contracts. You might have to change date. Um, might to, You might have to pay fees for date changes. Um, and, and there's like so many little things that down the line you'll need to change um, and, and work on, but definitely canceling. I, I wouldn't recommend. And then like this couple, the, they were like one of the very first ones that would have to cancel you know, back then when, when all the restrictions started getting into place and that was March 14th and they're going to have a huge party. So I was able to negotiate with all vendors. Well, most vendors, I think there were only like two that had hard costs, like florists and um, we had a pile lady or something. So they had hard costs and they had already paid for everything. So they can't get any money back from there, but everybody else is willing to, you know, the food, the beverage, the band, everybody else is willing to put a party together later on this year or next year to give them the reception that they officially want, which is okay. going to be less stressful for them because they, they decided to get married anyway. Um, and then postponing um, for sure. I would definitely recommend that obviously, like you can have a big party or um, maybe even just Working with your vendors to figure out, like, okay, I'm not ready to postpone. I'm not ready to start planning anything, but maybe we can revisit these conversations when we know more about what's happening. Which is what I'm doing for a lot of my couples. I'm we're waiting until, like, I had a June sixth wedding, so that's what in a couple of months, couple of weeks, and we decided yesterday actually that we would um, postpone their wedding to the end of the year. And obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. We hope that in the summer, everything will be okay. But if it's not, what I'm doing is working with the venues and with the um, vendors on renegotiating our contract so that the couple is protected and so that it makes sense for the um, vendor involved. So like for the venue, for example, we're requesting that if we do need to move again on the new date, because something happens that's crazy, the couple won't be charged a fee for that instead their fees will just go to the next day. If for some reason we find ourselves in a, in a situation like this or, or for vendors, like if they're not available, give them the opportunity to let them say like, I might not be available, but my colleague will be available on your wedding date, and I can honor the same pricing or what, you know, we're just trying to get creative with a situation that everybody's comfortable with.
0: I like that because uh, w- when you said, um don't expect your money back. That's true because you're, you know, we're small businesses and I I think some of the couples I've I've been talking to some of my wedding vendor friends and they were saying that the couples, they're like, Oh yeah, I know it's in the contract that it's non-refundable, but we just want our money back. And you know, it's not, we're not, you know, it's not a side gig. And you know, the fact that we have a contract means we're taking this seriously unfortunately this thing happened and i just feel like the couples need to understand that the money it's been used already especially if you've been if you paid like a year ago or six months ago that's that money's gone like if you roll reverse you'd probably understand it a little bit more right
1: absolutely or or just like like bigger companies they're able they can weather the storm right like like if you look at Disneyland, they're not saying like, okay, well, we'll refund you your season pass that you got. Like they're not doing that. And no one is complaining about that either. And then you have like hotels that are able, like big chains that are able to um, continue and like give people refunds, but they also charge a lot of money and they have a lot of clients. We are very small business, like mom and pop shops kind of situation in the wedding industry and and even like the big companies in the wedding industry they've laid off in the hundreds so like i know three rental companies off the top of my head that laid off anywhere from five to a thousand people like between the three of them because it's the only way that they're going to survive is if they you know start cutting costs and get a little bit creative with how they're Mm -hmm. spending and labor is typically the one that goes because it's expensive and the small businesses like we you know, if we did charge a lot of money, then yeah, you take your money, but we're charging what we we feel we're worth and we want to provide you with the service and we want it to be affordable because we know that weddings are expensive. So we we do what we can, but we're definitely not charging enough to be able to yeah. handle something like this.
0: And I feel like the the one thing that's going to save this industry and that's going to assure the couples that they're... If ever they postpone if ever they postpone and move to a different date, the one thing that's gonna guarantee is th- for them not to ask the money back because every once you do that once you have like a mass refund, then everyone's gonna tank, and then you're not gonna have money <laughs> vendors
1: no it's suck. yeah, or the ones that stand are gonna be very expensive, so good luck trying to find someone (laughs) to redo your photography, but you're going to have to pay so much more. So yeah.
0: Let me know what you think. I feel like for the couples who want, who are thinking of refunding or doing anything else, I feel like instead of emailing, it's, is it better to just give them a call, give the vendors a call and see how they are. And, you know, just so they could have like an actual conversation and, how do you feel about that?
1: You mean, sorry, do you mean... So um, if they're thinking about decided... refunding,
0: oh, okay. instead of emailing like, hey, can you give me the money back? Just maybe like, hop on a call and talk about it with the vendor that you're thinking of asking the money back for.
1: Mm, yes, definitely. A phone call would be great. To start with just to be human you know and to hear their voice and hear the reactions and then to just approach it from a place of like if i were in your shoes because we're all hurting right now like there is no one that's not like in shock kind of and disoriented and you know they're like we're all in like a weird space and so having that human connection if you can do facetime even better so you guys can see each other's face tra- facial expressions and like how that person is reacting. So definitely a phone call would be good, but also before you call review your contract, like what are the terms? What did they say? Because you're going to be asking for a refund when legally bound, you should not be asking for a refund. That's breaking the contract. And then you are going to be legally responsible for something else, which should be outlined in the terms. And if they're not, then that's when you have that phone call. And, um, talk to them about it. And sometimes you might not even be able to ask for a refund, because that's what the contract says. But if you do decide to, at the very least, try to get that person's side of the story and understand where they are, because some people can't even put food on the table right now. So being able to hear that and understand where they're coming from is going to make the situation all around a little bit better. And then you guys can work on brainstorm and figure out a solution for how to move forward, knowing that they have a portion of your money, but you can't do the wedding. So, you know, get creative and, and talk it out. But for sure, I think that's a great idea to get on the phone.
0: Yeah, just communicate. Communicate. It. Yep. Communication is key. Okay, so my last question is, what is what is your advice for for couples, future couples who are planning their wedding, especially mm. now that everything's up in the air? What's the best thing that you could tell them?
1: I mean I think, in, in my mind, weddings are very, very special. They're very sacred. They mean a lot. So I think couples are should still be excited about their wedding. It just obviously we can't be excited about it in the near future. You know, we might have to wait until after the summer to see what's going on. But I would, especially for couples planning right now or that've just gotten recently engaged going into twenty going into twenty twenty one and maybe booking in that time frame so that it you know at least a year from now I think we can all feel safe saying that we will be okay. I mean obviously I don't know for sure. i I'm not a futurist, but um I know that we as a business are getting inquiries for 2021. So I would continue the planning, but I would have I would have a lot of caution around it. Like just know understand what's going on, get updated on what's happening right now in the situation that we're in with current weddings and current vendors and learn from that. And like I had said earlier, that I'm working with venues when we're changing these dates. I'm working with the venues and asking them like, hey, if we're in another situation like this, like a pandemic where none of us have control over it, can we move? Can you redo the contract? Like, Like put a clause in that says, Hey, um, if we need to move, can we move with no penalty? Like we won't ask for money back, but we'll just move our date for a new date. Or if if that's not possible, um, maybe renegotiating the terms so that we have more options for payment plans instead of like, you know, putting down you know ten thousand dollars right up front to you know book the contract or book the venue or or whatever the case is. Like renegotiating some of those terms so that everybody feels comfortable. I think that's okay to do right now in this in this time. And some vendors, they're not going to be okay with that. And that's okay. Like some vendors cannot tell you that they'll be available. Like we have a team. So I, like, if I'm not available on a new date, I'm okay handing that off to my associate and then they can take over. But some people don't have that kind of foundation or structure and that's okay. You just know that that's not probably the right fit for you. Or um, maybe they're willing to, um, I don't know, uh, pass it off to an associate or a friend that, you know, like photographers, for example, I know that they have a lot of second shooters that also have their own businesses. And so maybe working something out creatively like that, if that makes you comfortable, you can do that. Um, But definitely going in with caution, because we have no idea what, when this will be over, or at the very end, even when this is over, what weddings will look like, because now, you know, we'll, we'll have to think of like, adding sanitizing stations and having um, antibacterial um, pumps everywhere like on the tables but definitely not doing buffets and appetizer stations We're, we're probably gonna have to stick to plated meals so all those kinds of smaller things you'll have to think about those too and and then just making your your guests feel comfortable like I don't think a 300 person wedding right off the bat is going to be a good idea, but maybe something a little bit smaller and more intimate for, to start off just to kind of like when you go to a venue, right, you need to guarantee a certain number, maybe you guarantee a smaller number. And then as you move along, if, if they have the space and you think you'll be okay, then you can start increasing the numbers then. But just, just tread lightly is what I'm trying to say.
0: How do you feel about a Lysol chamber for before?
1: <laughs> that's a great idea. Where right? do I get one? Just, yeah,
0: just like a human car wash. Well, thank we you. We actually
1: have that in our house right now. We're like oh. every time we come in, my husband's like, whenever yep. I like go to the store to get groceries, that's and like we're wiping down everything, even our onions. It's so it's it's crazy.
0: It's crazy. It's Yeah, that's what we do too. Like we have our own chamber in the house where she just (laughs) misogs me after a groceries run. Yeah. It's nuts. I I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm putting Clorox wipes on cucumbers and eggplant. (laughs) it's just, it's nuts. I know. I know. Well, hopefully it gets better. And the one thing that I love about you guys, my friends in the industry is that you don't just become part of a community just to be able to work. You're actually part of this community because you want to help other people. And you're, you know, that's why when, when you said that you have teams, I I immediately thought that, you, you know, it's because you have so many friends in the industry that you could know, love and trust that you could easily just tell them, okay, she's ready for you. And that's yeah. what I really appreciate about you. Is you're, you're, very professional and i mm, i can't wait you. for this thing to be over so that we could all go back I to know. work and, but yeah you you're, you're no. right you you know it's probably not going to be a 300 person wedding anymore at least not for the near future so i love that i love that you said that because it's the reality of things
1: it is it is and i don't and it's not like we won't ever get back to it it's just going to take some time um and and hopefully it is by the my hope is by the fall because we have some weddings in the fall and I don't want to have to push them back either but if we do I just I feel confident about 2021 for sure
0: yeah me too if if you know I don't think any other year is going to be as better as this year this year has been in the ever since it started 2020 has been like (laughs)
1: It will so crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know how we got here so fast from like Kobe to here to oh. like, I just, I don't, I don't even know. It just happened all so fast, but yeah. we will survive every will. day. I have to like, I have to keep like, I have these like a list of positive thoughts that I have to say to myself every morning, even before our, our call here, I had to say it to myself because I have to remember that like, this this will pass. Also, we've we've seen, you know, oh8 happened um, when presidential elections happen. Obviously, like our industry kind of takes a dip. Or you know, the Zika virus happened for a while, so destinations were kind of going crazy, losing all their events. So, I mean, these things happen, and then, but we're relentless as a as a as humans. We're relentless, and we will get back to it. Yeah,
0: yeah just be relentless with washing your hands too
1: <laughs> yeah i li- my hands are so crusty right now, yeah
0: I me even. too. it's so dry. <laughs> I did like a video yesterday it is it's crazy so okay, so whoever <laughs> okay. I would love it if uh, you tell the listeners and the viewers if they want to reach you or if you have the if they have any questions or want to look at your blog tell them how
1: to reach you so my business is michelle dot com um so you can you can go there and see all the things. And then if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, it's at Michelle with two L's Isabel, I S A B E L underscore.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Those <laughs> links are going to be in the notes in the yes. podcast and on the YouTube video. So thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully we get to party soon because this, I, I can't wait to just get out of the house.
1: <laughs> same same. We will. We'll party
0: soon. All right. All the best to you.
1: Thanks, Paul.
0: That's the interview, and I hope you learned something today. Feel free to reach out to our guests if you have any questions by clicking on their link in the show notes. This episode of the How to Wedding podcast is done, but be sure to hit subscribe to our podcast to keep you up to date. Share this to someone who'll need it and join the Facebook group to keep the discussion going. See you next time, and don't forget, if we're going to get lost...